Welcome to Absurdity, where we explore all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And I am joined by our um, our temporary hero, not wearing a cape, um, but a really, really good friend of mine and a friend of the show, Matt Lucio. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm finally a temp worker. That's right. Uh, in these in these chaotic economic times, giving giving people temp work where they don't get paid is you know the ideal, right? So. <laughs> I've, I've always dreamed of this. I've always wanted to intern for a big agency, and yet That's here right. I am. Here I am. Started at the bottom, and now you're still at the bottom. We, uh, <laughs> you're doing well. Now, so uh, for those who missed last week's episode, uh, Matt is joining me as a temporary co-host as Tony takes a sabbatical. Don't worry. He's not, like, dying, or I'm not firing him. <laughs> he's just taking some time um, to deal with some personal stuff and kind of uh, adjust as things are changing on his end as well. So uh, one thing before we jump in, if uh, you are interested in getting any merch for the Absurd Network or Absurdity, you can head over to absurdnetwork.com slash merch, and you can pick up any of the cool merch that is listed there. I tried to be as fair as possible in prices uh, to where I make a tiny bit, but uh, it doesn't break your wallet as well. Um, so if you want to Check out some merch. You can head on over there. Matt, before we jump into the uh, actual content of the episode, tell us about the projects that you're involved in, podcasts, anything like that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so I pastor in Peoria, Illinois, and I host the Avenus History Podcast, which uh, is a lot of fun. Although I did just find out that there may have been uh, an Avenus podcaster before me. I thought I was one. Of, I thought I was the oldest, like doing original content not just posting sermons. There may be somebody older than me. So we're going to have wow. to work that out. May have to take them out or something. Yeah, so may, have I can, to, may have to fight them. Yeah, got to keep my crown. Got to keep my crown. Uh, but anyways, we love the Avenue History Podcast. In fact, before we recorded this episode, I've been working on the episode that's supposed to come out uh, today, the day of recording. And, and after we're done with this interview, uh, with this episode, I'm going to go back and record it. So this is like, <laughs> this is like a mid-process thing for me. It's like a little little break. But oh, cool. Well, I'm glad we could give you an absurd break. Yeah. Um, you also have Absolutely. a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, I, I manage it on behalf of our, uh, the Peoria Church. It's called Peoria Avenus. And we just wanted to create something not that doesn't feel too churchy. Uh, basically, our, our kind of our motto with that is that social media and just media in general should not be a place where we advertise our ministry. It's a place where we do ministry. So it's not just like a bulletin board for what's going on here. It's like we do unique creative things there uh, in, in a way to kind of like make ourselves known in, in ways that you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to find here. So we just have fun, like making fun of Avenus food and reviewing impossible whoppers and things like that. Yeah, no, no. It, I mean, it very much is an Adventist thing, but it, you know, it does poke fun at us as well. And and I love that because it's it's done in a way that, doesn't really make anyone feel bad. And if it does, then they're the problem. Um, yeah. And no, I love it because too, at, at the same time, because of your work in that area and because of your work with Advanced History Podcast and content creation, you were one of the few churches that was primed and ready for uh, a situation like what we're dealing with now with coronavirus and lockdown and what didn't, didn't Illinois just get put under, what is, is it a 30 day? Is it a two week lockdown? What, what is the, what are the specifics? Yeah, we we're we're claiming an exemption for ourselves because 
Governor Pritzker said that if you're providing some sort of like social services as a religious organization, uh, that you can that you can gather as long as you have under ten people. So mm-hmm. we told ourselves, yeah, we're providing a social service, you know, by providing worship on Sabbath. So we get like a skeleton crew of people together. And and you're right, like a year and something ago when we decided to start this channel, we got all this gear. It wasn't specifically for live streaming. A lot of it wasn't, but we had it in place so we were ready to go. Uh fully recognize that a lot of small to to like small medium churches are kind of being caught off guard by this. And so we're trying to do our best on our YouTube channel to let people know like how to how to do streaming because it's something everybody knew that they should have been doing for like 10 years, right? Yeah. But it was like, oh, we don't have enough money. We don't have the right volunteers. And now everyone's just figuring it out. It's amazing what happens when you have to do something. Yeah, right? All of a sudden, all these people, they were like, no, we don't need that. Or now like, ah, oh, if only we had had that sooner. Pastor, right. why didn't you suggest that? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, why, didn't you, why didn't you lead us? Um, right, right. And- just yesterday, we said we didn't have enough people to be able to do this. And now it's like, wow, it looks like we only need one person. Yep, and now now suddenly all of the church realizes why millennials and Gen Z leaving the church was a problem because now they have no one to navigate them through how to do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right, right, right. No, they that is that is. I have friends who consult, and uh, they're basically like, "Yeah, I, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for the church to support creatives by offering to pay them to help them get this stuff set up in a time where a lot of young creatives that do a lot of freelancing have lost all of their work." I have like a lot of good friends of mine that are photographers, videographers, um, just creatives in general, musicians, DJs, and they've completely lost all of their gigs. Um, yeah. all of, all of their paid, all of their income for the foreseeable future has just dried up and disappeared and they're freaking out. And so yeah. there, there is a prime opportunity there for churches to connect and potentially throw some money, some, some helpful money, uh, yeah. creatives way. And it, and it wouldn't be too hard. I, I enjoy collecting like tweets and, and memes and stuff during this that are amusing. Like one of them was like in the city of Seattle, there's now like, I don't know, I'm just going to make up the numbers, but it's like now there's like 700 local musicians who are out of work. We need to petition the government to donate $142 for their lost wages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> total. You know? Yeah, total, total. So it's like, I get it. I mean, there's, there's, <clears throat> Like another person tweeted, like pray for pastors as they attempt to make this Sunday's live stream not look like a Bin Laden capture video. Yes, I saw that one today. That was <laughs> yeah, great. That was um, great. No, it, and and so we're we're actually gonna we'll tackle all of that in a in a little bit. But I, you know, what I think what started uh, our idea for this for for today's episode in in the response of the church to this global pandemic and, and issue was actually a video released in our denomination, Seventh-day Adventism, if that hasn't been, you know, obvious yet. What? Um, wait, I wasn't informed of this. Um, <laughs> turn this off right now. Um, no, so our, our general conference president, which is the highest kind of office within Adventism, um, yeah. denominational representative, I mean like individual office, um, the... Uh, released a video of it's a talking head video where he's basically addressing the church. Um, Think of it like a state of the union, but really a state of like not even state of the union, just kind of, but that style of like, hello everyone. Uh, Don't panic. Thank you. Um, And in it, he makes three, it's it's like a 15 minute video or something like that. Um, And in it, he makes kind of three (laughs) major points. Uh, The first point being, Make sure you have peace with God, ask for forgiveness and know that God has a plan and is able to encourage us to move forward. Uh, number two, trust in God and live a healthy lifestyle to help prevent the disease. 
Um, and number three, share what you have with others. Um, the message of hope, uh, the message and hope of Jesus, not, uh, not the coronavirus, obviously. <laughs> um, and then he talked a little bit about other denominational stuff. The irony, the great irony of that video being that Monday he releases this video and says, at this time, there are no plans to postpone or cancel GC session. And then four days later, which is the biggest meeting in Adventism. And then four days later, it's canceled. I have a yep. feeling that he recorded that video like a week and a half to two weeks prior to it actually being pushed out. Sure, sure, but, yeah. Um, yeah, this video had mixed reviews in response. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's hard because, I mean, everything that Ted Wilson says, it's, it's always very pastoral. Like, that's his mode. That's his mode. It's always very pastoral. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not an executive of the church. It's like he's a pastor. He likes to be known as Pastor Ted. I think even signs his name that way on Facebook sometimes in some of his Q&As that he does. Uh, like, but that's who he is, right? For better mm-hmm. or for worse. And so he's, he's sometimes, and he's not the only one, sometimes we have a danger of looking at the coronavirus thing as like a purely spiritual problem. And yeah. like we spiritualize the thing. And I, I think that's, that's a danger. I mean, we shouldn't ignore the spiritual responsibility we have to pray for people and take care of them and all that sort of thing. But I mean, I think that's definitely the, the the kind of tenor of of his video that this is primarily a spiritual problem. That's why his first thing is make sure you have peace with God, which is not exactly that's something you say to somebody on their deathbed. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> like with the that's that's basically a, a, a implicit. You're going to to get this. Right. You're probably going to die. Um, right. Like that's what that sounds like. Right. And 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 it also feels like it feels. I I get what the point is, but at the same time, it feels very not guilt trippy, but it feels very kind of fear based of, you know, God might be angry at you. And if you die without, you know, without asking for forgiveness for those last few sins, you got, you snuck in before you got coronavirus. Um, I don't know about your future like that. It it sounds very, very, there's that, there's that fear based undertone to that point that is kind of troubling. But see, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think he explicitly, said something egregiously wrong. I, th- I think, personally, I think the problem is is that he has a hard time expressing empathy. Yeah, like, I can see that, yeah. yeah. And it's, and, I mean, somebody said the same thing about Donald Trump. I'm gonna, just going to go there for a second. But they said, like, that Donald Trump is very good during this crisis of expressing anger at the coronavirus, at this situation, at the unfairness of this. And, and some people will resonate with that. They feel angry that their lives are disrupted, their wedding is disrupted, all those things. But what they said is Donald Trump is not very good at expressing empathy during this time, like that he feels the suffering of what people are going through. And I would say the same thing about Ted Wilson here. I mean, he doesn't feel the anger either. Uh, no, but I really want Ted to have an anger translator. <laughs> yes! Key and Peel, what are you guys doing this weekend? He, that's right. Please. We can just we can just edit them into the background of that video. Man, it would be amazing. Oh. That'd be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. But yeah, again, so I think I think that's really what it's about. I mean, people pick at this video around the edges a lot. I, I think to me it's like express empathy, express emotion. Like show that you 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 kind of you get the feelings of uncertainty. Uh, and, and, and pain that, that people are feeling right now and then preach your sermon. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and just acknowledge or even do as much as acknowledge that those, that those feelings are there in a substantial way. Um, yeah. Even if you don't necessarily feel them yourself, which ironically enough, he probably did to some extent because 
the um, the the GC office is now closed for thirty days because of a potential exposure. So, yeah. um, I just find that that interesting. And you know, for me, I understand that fear very palpably because literally the day that I uploaded, like last Monday, about twelve hours before. Um, the absurdity episode went live. I was informed that I had potential exposure and had to go under self quarantine uh, through Friday, and mm. uh, that freaked me out because I have asthma. Um, yeah, and my I, last episode is a, is all about social responsibility and me ranting about how like I am afraid, and there are people that just don't care um, about others, and so they're willing to do whatever they want. Hello, beaches in Miami, and. Yeah. Um, it, it, and so I understand that fear very palpably. Like I felt it. I almost, I teared up reading the email that informed me of it. Cause I was at an event where there were confirmed cases and I had indirect contact, um, with, with at least one of those cases. Um, I got lucky. I'm okay. I'm yeah. off of quarantine now, but, um, Good. it is, it, 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 like, it's scary and it would have been nice for him to at least have some sort of connection there. Um, yeah. and it, it I, to be honest though, the whole thing just feels out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had evidence die of this already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had evidence, like, I don't know. I don't, maybe he made some comment about that when it first happened, but, you know, just to continue to acknowledge that people have every right to be afraid. And especially with you, Ryan, because I think there's been this attitude that if you're young, you have nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get the death rates of people over 80. Sure. But I mean, half of all the cases in France and Netherlands are people under 50 and 60. Yep. Like, it's not something to just treat lightly. No. You know, especially people who already have some sort of breathing situation. Well, the first the first patient in Modena, Italy, to beat um, to beat coronavirus that I know of is uh, was a 95-year-old grandmother. Um, awesome. They, they, all the, a bunch of healthcare workers took a picture with her. It went yeah. viral on Reddit and other social media platforms. And, like, really cool to see. Um, like, yeah. this isn't just an old person thing. And old people aren't, it's not an automatic death sentence for anyone who gets it, but it is something to be taken seriously. And my yeah. whole thing is like, I've accepted that I'm going to get it. My thing is I don't want to get it when the hospital systems are overloaded. <laughs> I know. Right. We like a, I'm just trying to yeah. hold out as long as yeah. possible. No, no, no. See, we had a pastor in Illinois here, a neighbor uh, nearby. And he was like, I'm going around licking everything because I want to get it now. Are you serious? <laughs> well, well, I don't think he was actually looking, but he was like, I'm shaking people's hands, whatever. Like, I just want to get it now. I want to go to the hospital while they're there to take care of me. And then I want to go home and be immune to the dumb thing. You know, hopefully it doesn't mutate. Uh, you know, like, let's just get it over with now while everybody is wanting, you know, before I become a, just a number in the hospital. Yeah. Yep. So yep. there's that strategy. I um, I actually was, so I was celebrating, Tony's birthday was on the 21st and I was, um, so happy birthday, Tony. Happy birthday, and Tony. And we were we were sitting there and and one his family was there and one of the one of the things that they shared was something that a church member had posted saying basically like, all right, so the the number one kind of recommendation for people when they cough or sneeze is to do so into their elbow. But now they've also told us don't shake your hands, greet people by touching. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it, your yeah. elbow. Shouldn't yeah. this be the time that we advocate for shaking hands? So now I've just yeah. defaulted to I want to fist bump people. That's yep. it. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a grandmother or if you're a baby. I'm fist bumping you uh, from here on out uh, through this through this pandemic. It seems it seems safer to kick people. I'm, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, there's a layer of of protection there if you're not yeah. wearing like cloth shoes, all birds, toms, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, you'll be good. Yeah, just kick each other. Just wear galoshes. But, you know your 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 story. 
your story of the uh, Italian grandmother or great grandmother or whatever she is like I just imagine that's a recommendation for just purely drinking olive oil I'm sure that's a recipe for success. <laughs> yes, douse everything in olive oil. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure like, if they interviewed her, I bet that's what she'd say. You know, something like, I can just see it now. It's like, well, I drank olive oil, a cup of it every day for the last 60 years. <laughs> and that's and what that's, prepared me. Yeah, that's what I just coated all of my insides. <laughs> yep. Every day, every day that right. you don't drink it is a day that is a day shorter right. you could live. Um, that's right. But okay, but because Ted Wilson said, one of you know his second point: trust in God and live a healthy lifestyle to prevent disease. All right, that is good advice in general. And in the midst six of months an, ago, yeah, six <laughs> months ago. But right now, I don't care what you eat; it will not. You know, like healthy eating can ward off certain diseases. It can it can minimize your chances. But it's it's not like this panacea, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. this is not a dietary disease. No, if you go running now, it's not suddenly like, there was a stat that said if you run four to six times a week, you're, you'll, you have a lower risk. So everyone's like, all right, I'm a runner now. It's like, no, right. too late. <laughs> too late, friend. Yeah. Right. Um, right. It, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, he's not the only one to bring lifestyle into this. I, I get it. Avenus are really big on this. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to, to just kind of remind the world that, hey, eating healthy and exercising mm-hmm. Is a, it's a good plan overall in life uh, as far as your health is concerned. But there's no guarantee you're not going to get cancer. It's no guarantee you're not going to get COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, so while it is good advice, it's just, it, like you said, six months ago, yeah. that's great advice. Right now, it's just kind of like, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the best we got? And even his last point, like there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, in, in this video, there wasn't a whole lot of follow good recommendations, meeting in small groups. There wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on that. Rather, it was a very broad, share what you have with others, you know, the message and, and, and hope of Jesus and share that salvation. And, um, sure. and which is good, but without any of the other caveats to it, you're basically encouraging, you're basically encouraging people to find ways to meet together. Like what, what you've done is given people some sort of justification if they felt like resisting any sort of government encouragements or, or, you know, uh, suggestions yeah. or recommendations. They, you basically encourage them in, in whatever mindset they may have to meet together. And I say, Oh, see, it's even more important because we got to spread this message. And right. that's dangerous to me. Yeah. Right. Safety first. I mean, I look, I, I've been watching people's live streams because suddenly, you know, I just want to see what creative stuff people are doing. And maybe we can talk about that in a little bit, but I found this live stream from a church in New Zealand. I mean, it was, it was, it was great because it was just this pastor. I think he was at his church on his on a stage. He he included in one of his slides like the website for whatever New Zealand's like CDC is. You know, I assume mm-hmm. it's like the Kiwi Disease Foundation. I don't know whatever <laughs> it is. There's like a you know this emblem is like two sticks and a bird. Anyways, uh, like you know, like here's the government website. You know, make sure you follow these guidelines. Like that was a slide that he shared with his people, and he spent like half of the sermon explaining to his parishioners why this is necessary. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of pastors in the same boat because I think every church has some members who feel like, who, who we're not all on the same page. They feel like we just need to trust God and God will preserve us through the coronavirus. You know, we just yep. need to meet anyway. And, you know, and so like pastors are having to address this and it would have been nice just as a pastor if the leader of our church would have kind of recognized that and kind of lent support to the fact of, no, you guys need to follow these guidelines. It's okay. doesn't mean you'd lack faith. 
It just means you don't want to get a disease. Yep. It means you're taking every precaution necessary. It's like, right. yeah. So then, I mean, to make matters worse, and I don't remember if this happened before or after the Monday Facebook video. I think it happened before um, where he shared on Twitter the, he retweeted a video from an independent ministry, a very popular independent ministry in Adventism. For those who, yeah, for the, for those who don't know, an independent ministry basically is a ministry that isn't directly controlled by the Seventh-day Adventist church, but is Adventist in its beliefs and kind of operating structure, everything else. So it's standalone from the church, but operates within line of policy and typically policy uh, and beliefs of, of the Adventist church. And in this interview, the, the one of the leaders of, of the ministry... <laughs> interviewed a somewhat infamous figure within Adventism, uh, the originator of our lovely term gossip juice that, that, um, (laughs) that, um, that flowed out from everyone's social media feeds last year in October, um, where, where uh, it's Dr. Neil Nedley, who is the president of the Weimar Institute uh, out in, is it California? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was right. Um, And one of the things that, that he suggested was he encouraged people to expose themselves to the virus like we do the chicken pox, uh, like, we, like people used to do for the chicken pox, uh, in order to build immunity. Yep. Which, that is explicitly dangerous. Just, yep. just so, like, if, if, if the, at least the GC president himself didn't say something explicitly dangerous, but in, he shared something explicitly dangerous. And to the ministry's right. credit, they did... Um, as far as I know, I never went back and actually checked on this, but I do remember seeing a tweet from, from the leader of it saying, we've re released an edited version of the video with that part, with that portion kind of corrected. I don't know if that actually happened, but at that point it doesn't matter because he shared this thing that got, you know, thousands of likes and retweets, um, of people seeing it and being encouraged to get early exposure to this thing, um, which is incredibly dangerous or, um, I, my, my sister-in-law is a nurse. She's working herself to the bone right now, scared to death that, um, that she might have it, um, or has been exposed. Uh, her and I were talking last week as I was dealing with my self quarantine. And, um, I, I know of so many friends of mine that are nurses right now working their tails off and just working so hard. And the last thing that we should be doing is giving them any people, any reason to be working harder and risking their lives, um, in any way, shape or yeah. form for this. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the, like, and and all of this is kind of couched in this idea of what has been the church's actual response to this thing. Um, right. And we, you know, if you can go on social media all day long and look at how the governments have responded, and read uh, Politico, and read the Atlantic, and read New York Times, and, and BBC, and find out how all these different governments have responded to this. Um, to which I say, Justin uh, Trudeau's. Uh, kind of message last week was probably my favorite of any address, uh, any address that was given. I just super calming, super understanding. I mean, it was everything that I wished other responses would be, um, regardless of whether or not I agree with policies within it, just his tone, the actual content of this, everything about it was great. Um, but there's, there's a little bit less talk about how the church I think has been responding to this and should be responding to this. Um, and so I think this is our space to kind of do that and navigate this and figure out a, how the church has responded and b how it should be responding. And this is like all of Christianity, though, obviously we're operating within the framework of Adventism. Um, but um, we have a lot more in common than we would like to think, I, you know, so. Yeah. I, I'm sure these kind of responses, like we're talking about with Neil Nedley and Ted Wilson are not unique 
to Adventism. I'm sure most many denominations uh, mm-hmm. have their Neil Nedley and their Ted Wilson in it. Uh, it's just, we got to get through with all this mixed messaging. And by the way, I looked up Weimar's website right here and that part, maybe the part of the video was edited, but there's still an article up there that say that the New START principles are primary in self-protection. And for those of you who don't know, New START is just an acronym and a famous Adventist acronym for nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God, like these kind of basic principles. And so, yeah, it, it goes on to say it would be a theoretical personal advantage to come in contact with a few COVID-19 people. Yeah, no, that's... Like, it's still there. Why is it still there? Yeah, I think I think it is written, being the ministry... I think they edited there, you know, on their end or, you know, but, but Weimar still, it doesn't change the fact that Neil Nedley and Weimar Institute as a whole probably still believes that to be the case here. Yeah. But, and so it yeah, isn't but, just covering but, their own tail. But, but here's the ironic part of this. Okay. Because Weimar closed, like they sent yes. students home. Yep. So if, I mean, if, if, if new start principles, like this is the capital of new Startism. You know, like being healthy, you guys are out there in nature in California. Like, why close if you think that that your new start principles are enough to kind of insulate oh, you? Because he you? he doesn't want lawsuits. That's, that's all. He, he if he can do it this way, then it means that there's no there's no lawsuit coming his way. But instead, um, he can he can encourage people to do it individually, um, and it can never know. be directly traced back to him. I guess I you know or to the institution. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, it probably was forced. I don't know, but. Look, again, I'm not against New Start. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think these are great principles. I just, it's this idea that like these basic hygiene habits, basic nutrition habits, basic exercise habits are enough to protect you. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I could see, I could very easily see the Adventist Church specifically pivoting off of this in the future and using it as a springboard to, a renewed springboard to talk about the, the, the very relevant thing that is health and healthy living, healthful living. Like I, I could definitely see us doing that after the after the cause or after you know sure. after all this is over. But now, like yes, we've already been harping on it for six months, um, and you know for years for all of our history. But um, the the fact of the matter is, it doesn't really do much right this second. Um, right. To be for that to be the main focus is is really what I mean. It's okay to still talk about it, I think, but for it to be yeah. a main focus and point of emphasis, like that's not the thing that we're really. If anything, that's that's causing people to go to the grocery stores even more and hoard and um, take more, yeah. and um, preventing others from even, from being able to even get their basic necessities. Right, and that's that's yep. sad to me. One of my yep. one of my favorite YouTube channels is called the Wolf Pit. Uh, that's Wolf with an E, and it's a guy who he has a neuromuscular disorder, so he's he he does it's a cooking channel. But he he always records the voiceover. But then he, um, but then his wife or his daughter, I think, are the hands that actually do the cooking. Um, and he points, he pokes fun at himself for that because all of his commenters are like, "Why do your nails look so nice?" Uh, you know. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that he said, he'll do like how to how to feed a family of five for eight dollars. Um, okay. How to feed a family of five for nine dollars or for five dollars or whatever. And he does these like fried rice recipes. These egg bakes, you name it and stuff that you can get. He tries out different dollars. He'll try out dollar store uh, meats and all these things that people will think that they're saving money on. Um, And one of the things that he says is he's like, look, I'm going to make this video talking about how you can feed a family of five for $8. And I know that there's going to be some of you in the comments that say, oh, well, I could eat that in two portions. You know, I could eat that on my own. And he's like, 
The point is not that you can eat the whole thing on your own. The point is that we're trying to get everyone basic nutrition in a family. And that may mean that they can't afford to eat every, you know, eat to their, you know, to the point that they're full or bursting. They may just be mm. able to eat only to the point of basic nutrition. Um, he's like, that's the point of this. It's not that everyone gets to eat a whole ton and gorge themselves. It's that everyone gets enough. And yeah. that I think is the, that's the kind of message that I wish we were pushing was let's make sure that everyone is getting enough not just that I have what I want or what I feel yeah. I need. That's hard right now. I mean, I even even Christians are not immune to the fear. Mm-hmm. Like if I see, I mean, I know there's restrictions now on how many packages of toilet paper or whatever, that you, or rice or whatever it is that you want to get. But I mean, if I see just a few, like I don't know, is toilet paper coming back? Like is the supply chain intact? Yeah. So, you know, like I would rather buy like 10 packages and then share. You know, then I have the ability, I'm in the position where I can share. Like, we'd rather be sharers than beggars. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I trust my goodwill. So I'm just going to buy more than I need and then I'll be happy to share with people. But if everybody does that, of course, then there's not enough to go around. So, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I think people mean well, but I understand going to the grocery store and seeing all these empty shelves and like that temptation to like, I better stock up on more than I need. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I get... I, I definitely get the temptation and I don't want to, that's why I feel like the church should be that voice that says, yes, we know that there is fear here. Here's how we handle this. And here's how we can band together. Like I think there's an opportunity here in a limited sense for the church to more closely model what the church in the book of Acts did um, in the way that they take care of each other, not necessarily the meeting together in each other's homes every day um, and and eating food together, (laughs) but just the, the community aspect of things. I saw, um, a post someone living in an apartment complex put on a note on their door warning all of their neighbors that they had been tested positive for COVID-19. Mm. And someone, one of their neighbors basically slipped a note under the door that said, Hey, thank you so much for letting us know if there's, I know we know that you're not going to be able to leave your house or your apartment. If there's anything that we can get for you, please let us know. Um, either write, write us an email or call us at this number. We can go get you toilet paper um, or, you know, tissues or whatever you need, medicine, um, just let us know. And we got your back. Um, that's the kind of thing that I, yeah. that I'd like to see more of is yeah. I think and my I, overall point. Yeah. And I, I think there's, I definitely think that churches are kind of moving in that area. Uh, I, I know the problem is, is like, we kind of have these established ways of doing things. Like if you look at our church's mm-hmm. budget, it's like, I don't know, 75 line items for everything underneath the sun. Yeah, And it's all a mess. It's confusing. But we have these established ways of doing things. Like we usually raise money when we have communion for, for members who need assistance on things. Well, we're not having communion anytime soon. So it's like it takes some time to get out of that frame of, of doing things. Yeah. And I, you know, so we're a little bit late. But I, I definitely think that we're, we're moving in that direction. It's like we're trying to set up a fund for, for our members. Like if you need something, we'll be happy to go out and get it for you. Uh, if you, you know, I don't know how things, I know in Italy, they froze mortgage payments. I don't think they've mm-hmm. done that here. So tough luck, America, uh, <laughs> the price of freedom. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyways, like if you, if you're behind on a bill, like, because you can't go work and you're not getting paid or something like this is where we should be stepping up. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Like our members, like people will leave the church at the end of this. If they feel like the church didn't care. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, they, I, there's no doubt about it. And then, well, and then you have churches or if they think that the church is being intentionally dangerous. Um, I remember seeing one, one post of a, it was a non-Adventist church, um, basically saying, Hey, we don't really care. 
um, what the government says we are going to meet together because that's what we're told to do in the Bible. And um, so we're going to have a gathering tomorrow night and we're going to pray. If it was like a week ago or so, and we're going to pray over the sick. um, And we want you to invite a friend, bring as many people as you know, bring someone who is sick or who's tested positive. Um, We're going to lay hands on them and we're going to pray for them. Um, And we're going to, and we're going to pray this thing away. And we're going to, we're going to show our faith out and and we're going to, um, and we're going to come together no matter what this virus can't stop our faith. And it's like, no, that like, that's intentionally dangerous. Right. Uh, I, I talked last week about reckless faith and I don't think God ever calls us to a reckless faith. It is usually a, there are times where it seems where it may seem unreasonable to some extent. Um, but it's certainly not intentionally reckless. And, um, that to me seems incredibly reckless. Oh, absolutely. Like there are times for those moments. Like, I don't know if like the Nazis are going door to door, right? Like, there are times where it's like, well, they want to shut us down. We're going to church. You know what I mean? There are times when it's worth risking your life. And I maybe we've just been like so numbed as Christians in America for so many decades. We see like these people giving their lives for the gospel elsewhere in the world. And we're like, we're just like looking for our stage. You know, yeah. is that it? Like, we're just like, we want our cause. Like we want to take our stand on something big and, you know, and, and, you know, like some people find it on the abortion issue. Like this is the hill I'm going to die on. And some people find it on other issues. But like, is that what we're doing? Like this, it just defies common sense. Yeah. The, the, the idea that we're, the idea that we should be making church more about ourselves is, is completely antithetical. I think to what the church response should be to all of this. And I think it is easy to see a lot of churches trying to do live streams and like, you know, seeing on Saturday, uh, seeing all of these churches and friends that I know in ministry, having live streams of their church services seemed weird to me at first. And then I thought about it a little bit more because my church operates basically on live stream. Um, it's kind of known yeah. for that. But um, it kind of made sense to me too, because those churches aren't trying to get big numbers or go viral or show to the world that they're doing church anyway, though that's a nice side effect. Really, they're just trying to be present for their members and give members a sense of, give their own church members and church family and community some sense of normalcy and routine that has now been completely disrupted by coronavirus and efforts to contain it. So like I've started to see that as actually a good thing rather than something that at first started to annoy me a little bit um, as everyone just kind of rushed to do this. And I got several phone calls asking me how to do a live stream. <laughs> right. I know. So I, I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I am more grateful than I was 24 hours ago for, <laughs> um, for churches that are, that are doing, that are doing that. And I think um, me as a critic, Shocker that I would be a critic and be known as someone who criticizes a lot and critiques things. Um, one of my one of my biggest struggles that I deal with personally is this idea of uh, perfect is the enemy of better, um, mm. where someone will suggest something better and I will immediately find some flaw or hole in it because it you sure. know oh well then it will just be done like this or then this will happen uh, or could happen. And I tend to shoot down better suggestions because they're not perfect or what I think should be perfect. That, right. that is an issue that I struggle with. But this is an area where I think we need to allow better to be, to be what drives us, not necessarily perfect to be what drives yeah. us. Yeah. And I honestly, I hope, I hope that these, I, I've, I'm really encouraged by the live streaming situation because even if, they're, even if they are, some of them are really terrible. Starting out, like I saw, <laughs> I saw somebody post a picture of their pastor on the TV, like, and he was sideways. 
<laughs> like, yes. Like this, this is our first week of our pastor live streaming. We've got some work to do. Like, I get it. I get it. It's 2020 and your pastor is sideways on a TV. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, I, I have hope at what will be the result of this. And that is that during this time, more young people are having to step up to leadership roles in their churches out of necessity. Yeah. Like they couldn't get it. They couldn't get there in, in normal times. They had to take something like this to, for the church to be like, we have no idea how to get through this. Here are the mm. keys. Get whatever gear you need and get us online. And it's like they're empowering these, these guys. Churches are finally, finally, you know, a lot of these small, medium churches finally getting online and doing stuff. And even if it's not fantastic, all of it is fantastic right now. I hope that these changes stick. Yeah. I hope that this is the new normal for those mm-hmm. churches. They get used to it. And it may be a little bit different when the crisis is over, but like those, those young people keep the keys and those churches keep the tech. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, speaking of tech problems, Friday night I hosted, um, I was the host for Southern's Vespers program. They still wanted to do online Vespers for their student body, uh, even though there is, you know, even though the student body isn't here. So a small group of us met in a giant church, <laughs> Um, do they get credit? To, do they still get Vespers yeah, right. credit that's, for watching? That's the, that's the, good, that's the question, right? Um, so, How do I get a Vespers date to that Vespers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just hop on Skype and then both watch the live stream together, which I've had legit movie dates like that. Um, and I know of several couples who also do it with, with long distance. <sighs> Actually, that was one of the, when Southern canceled classes for the rest of the semester in person, um, I felt bad for all of, the, all of the couples that just immediately became long distance Without no. their without their consent, oh. Oh. Uh, exactly. I like my heart hurt for all of those college students in in these budding relationships that are now having to struggle to adapt amidst everything. <laughs> That's hard. It's like it's like is she not replying to my text because she doesn't like me anymore, or is she sick and in the yeah, hospital? Yeah, she dead. Um, <laughs> the please don't be dead. Um, so we were hosting, and they they modified the cameras in the church uh, to have lights underneath them. As, and that we're on a separate controller that basically were the cue for us to look at each camera. Whenever they changed camera, okay. we were to... Cal- yeah. Cali lights. Yes, thank you. I could not remember the, the term for them. So they had a green light and they had a red light. And what I was told when I walked in, even though all of conventional wisdom says red is the camera you look at, I was told you look at the green camera, not the red camera. So yeah. I looked at the green camera. So they started the live stream. <laughs> we had a separate phone... Looking at ins- launching the Instagram live feed, oh, and man. I start looking at the green camera, and I and I launch in. Welcome to welcome to Southern welcome Southern family to Vespers. Oh. So glad you're here. The camera changes. <laughs> I look at the middle, and then all of a sudden, one of the AV guys. This is a major university in Adventism, and one of the AV guys runs out and he goes, "Nope, nope, cut. We're doing it over." He's like, I need, he's like, I need you to look at the. He's like, I need you to look at the camera, and I said, I was looking at the camera. Yeah. I was doing a great job of looking at the camera. And he's like, which camera were you looking at? And I said, the green one, like I was told to. And he goes, oh, no, you need to be looking at the red one. (laughs) And all of this is on Instagram being live streamed from a phone on a separate feed. So they restarted the live stream. I greeted Instagram twice. Um, Like (laughs) everyone is everyone is struggling to figure this out. Even some of the churches that have already had this technology in place. And that's okay. Yeah. And I'm hoping that members that that uh, that Christians in general um, are willing to be a little bit forgiving as the church tries to adjust to this. The fact that a lot of these churches are even trying to adjust to it is more than I think a lot of us expected to begin with. 
Um, yeah. So I'm happy. I mean, or, to- or could have imagined, dude, that's a yes. hilarious story. Like, <laughs> it just reminds me, it reminds me of like the Colbert Report uh, back in the day when he would like make a joke out of like always looking at the wrong camera. Yes. Or, you know, yes. At, just tell people you meant to do that. It's just yeah. part of the shtick. Well, then at the end, they turned my microphone off in the house, which is how that the iPhone was the the iPhone streaming was picking me up. Nice. But they still had me on through the live stream feed, so I start talking, not hearing myself through the speakers in the house. And then I and I'm like, I don't. And then someone looks at me and goes, I think your mic's off. And I was like, No, it's on. Um, and I'm saying yeah. this into a microphone that I think is not being picked up at all. And then I end up switching microphones so that both can hear. And then I get told afterwards, no, all of that interaction was perfectly captured in nice. the main feed. Nice. Um, so it lives on. Nice. And you can watch almost all of that happen on uh, on the archive for Southern. So enjoy. Man, it should. I just feel like that should be like a YouTube video. It's like Southern Vespers leader loses cool, throws down cameras, walks off set. <laughs> that would, I will do that. Um, I will do that. Next time. Next no, time. I will say there is, there is, despite all of this, there is one response that has actually really annoyed me. And I don't know if your church has given into this too, but it's really annoyed me. And it's okay. all of the churches that are suddenly doing these, these daily video content and daily devotionals for their church members when you weren't doing any of that before, like you weren't doing anything during the week before and now sudden, like at that time. And now suddenly you're doing it like now um, you're doing more now to make up for something that they were never used to or had in the first place. Now I get it. If it was a calculated effort to, to pivot into more digital content and content creation after this is over, right? To say, all right, this is a moment that we have as an opportunity. This is an opportunity we have as a church to to launch into a completely new initiative and direction culturally. But for most of them, it's not that. It's literally just how can we how can we best serve our community and let them know that we're here and we care. And now you're making content and doing things that you were never doing before and you never cared to do before. That's really where it. It just feels so disingenuous. You've got this like John the Baptist thing, like who warned you to flee from the wrath yes. to come? Like you're going to start now. It's too late. Uh, no, it, it bothers me so much. Like, cause I know that when this is all over, the majority of them are just going to, I'm trying not to, I like, it just, it feels so disingenuous. The live streams and filling the Saturday morning or Sunday morning time. That makes sense to me. But the daily video content is killing me. No one is, no one was doing that before. Don't act like it's part of your culture now. It's not. Oh, you brood of, you brood of analog yeah. vipers. How dare yeah. you? Unless you're a oh, pastor but- that's reading like kids' books because you used to go into your school, like your local school, and do that for the kids. Like, don't tell me that this was something you were doing normally. I don't believe you. No, it's just, it's just means of preserving the community of our congregation and yeah like they're they're like well while we got this all set up like what else like you can't go visit the members anymore so you want to be seen by them and and communicate with them and maybe you portray it as something you're doing for your neighborhood for your town but i don't know i'm not i'm not so bitter about it <laughs> it's i'm like, not like I, angry i'm just at happy it. i'm just happy that people are doing stuff and i hope the quality improves that's all yeah, i'm gonna say no, I, as well me as well um i'm working from home for the foreseeable future so in my free time i'll probably be making a little bit more video content as well um oh, in between you I know always i always assumed you always worked from home i wish um but also no working from home is incredibly difficult um because it's so it really, it really it is. is really difficult um i'm actually grateful our work is going to be requiring us to hop on a video call every every morning to kind of go over what we're doing for the day and we have some benchmarks we're trying to meet 
And that's going to help me stay in the routine of actually getting ready for work in the morning and getting up and like actually helping me stay accountable to the work I need to do because it is very easy to sleep in and think, well, I can just get to whatever, whenever. And that's not the case. Um, so I am kind of glad for some of the changes that are happening. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I think some of us thought like, oh man, we're going to cancel church and we can't go to work anymore. Like, okay. Like pretty sweet. I'm going to work like three days a week and just spend more time with my family. Like I've never worked more, more hard, more harder, more hard, more hard. <laughs> I've never worked more hard in my life. Like it's, it's seriously crazy. Yeah. No, it, this is for me, I've just been stressed because of my own personal health. Um, for me, it hasn't, my job sure. as a recruiter definitely got 10 times harder because now I can't actually make trips and go visit the students that I'm working with in person. They can't come to us. We've canceled campus visits. We've can't, canceled major recruiting events. Like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. My job just got 10 times harder as I have to be 10 times more creative to figure out how to reach the people I'm trying to reach to convince them to come to a campus that they cannot come and see for themselves right what? now. Really? Um, like I thought like this, like the full ride you'd offer them for flag football for being a flag football, five-star recruit would be enough. Don't lie. I'm not going to lie to you last year. So Southern, if you don't know, Southern doesn't have uh, varsity sports. We don't have interscholastic sports. We have intramurals and, um, there's, there's logic for that. Don't freak out. But So there's no scholarships for sports or anything like that. One of the funniest things to me was last year in the campus shop, there was a shirt that said undefeated in football since 1892. <laughs> what legends. You can't be defeated in something you never played. <laughs> I lost it when I saw that shirt. If I had had money that day, I would have picked it up. But that day yes. I was on a, that, that month I was on a tight butt, but I wanted it so badly. That's so awesome. It should be like zero to zero, like record. Yes, like zero, I, zero. I, I literally, I did like a triple take on that thing to like, am I, is this real? Did they seriously yeah. have this made? Yes. Um, Awesome. Props to whoever made that. Well done. Well played. Now, another cool thing that I have seen from churches or not from churches, but from individuals is um, Zoom. The use of Zoom, which is what you and I are using right now um, for small group stuff. Um, Zoom is a video conferencing tool. You can also record conversations and and have every, every, um, every participant's track recorded separately, as well as the video for the whole thing recorded together. Um, And a lot of people that were meeting in small groups before have continued to do so through things like Zoom, Google Hangouts, you name it, which I think is awesome. Um, I, I know that there's a group of church leaders that I've been talking with where we've thought about having uh, hosting a panel discussion via Zoom um, and just muting everyone. And if you unmute yourself, then you're getting kicked out other than you know the panel and the <laughs> moderator. But we've talked about doing stuff like that and doing some more exclusive Zoom content that allows people to still have some form of a congregation while um while being able to uh and while being able to still participate in some form of um of church and so i think it's i'm pretty personally i'm pretty grateful for it i think that is something really cool and really creative and i'm hoping more people do it um one of my students that i know really closely posted a screenshot of him and his his life group doing that on instagram and i screenshotted it shout out to you ethan Wu, if you're out there um, if you listen, if you don't listen, then I didn't give you a shout out and, um, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, no one will believe you. And I, I, I just think that's really cool. Um, I am a big fan of that kind of thing. So yeah, our, our conference actually looked at getting, uh, I don't know if maybe if anyone from zoom should be hearing this, but anyways, about 
purchasing a subscription, a big, a big one, and then like letting all the churches use it. I don't know how it works. Like if you can let that many people have logins, but, and then like, so if we wanted that, we could just like offer something to our members. Like we can all jump on for prayer meeting. The, the thing is, is like, there's multiple ways to skin this cat. Yes. And there are certain technologies that are better for certain things. Like I watched a zoom church, uh, last Sabbath. I like, I just enjoy watching, see what other people are doing. So I drop in on them and it was, it was really sweet. There's definitely limitations to each of these, each of these things. Like I think zoom is great when you want your members, like when you want to see them Yes, and you want them to see you, you know, and it, and it works out that way. Or if you have, like you said, like multiple people on a panel or something like zoom is great for that. Yep. It really is great for that. You know, but you're, you're typically going to be like be anchored in one area. Like, so, you know, when it comes to like church stuff, uh, if you have a rather, you know, I, anyways, I was on a, actually, I should back up and say, I was on a webinar last week on Zoom for uh, live streaming and stuff with uh, Felicia Datis and Center for Online Evangelism is her, her thing. And it was great. We had like a hundred and something people joining us and there was like three of us presenter people and it worked so smoothly. She shared her screen. I drew little smiley faces on it and like, <laughs> mustaches on the pictures that she was showing when I wasn't talking. And I mean, you just can't do that in church normally. Yeah. Um, you do have to draw on the uh, tithe envelopes. Uh, that's, that's yeah. what you have to draw on. I used, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so I do want to, there is a, there is a criticism that I saw on Twitter that isn't the only criticism that I saw, but this is what you saw. You found criticism yeah, know, on Twitter. Shocking. Um, Twitter's not breaking news. That. But no, uh, so a friend, another friend of this podcast, Garrison Hayes, who's been on the show before, um, and he is currently a pastor. He he tweeted out, live streaming some version of our church service is cool and likely necessary, but the world isn't really hungry for more internet videos of great singing and good preaching. What church streams are he, is he watching? Uh, the, wor- <laughs> the world, the world. Is- <laughs> and then he adds it by saying, the world is starving for meaningful community now more than ever. And my thought is like, I, well, what do you have to say to that? Like, what is your what is your feeling when you hear that? Because I have a certain response uh, to it myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear where he's coming from. Uh, I have a couple of different reactions. Number one, I've been proposing something. My definition of online church is not just reenacting, being a reenactor of your normal church service. Uh, you know, the medium is the message, as Marshall McLuhan said. And doing stuff to a camera, like it just looks not genuine if you're just trying to do like your normal in-person church service on camera. Like you've got to do something that's tailored for the technology that you're using. Okay. Uh, But the second thing is, is like, this is what I would say to him. I don't know him, but um, this is what I would say to him. When people are putting, doing worship stuff online, uh, they're not necessarily doing it for the world. They're doing it because they can't have local church. Now Mm -hmm. the messy thing is, is whenever you put something online, it is for the world. So I think it's kind of like there's this confusion because we're trying to do this local thing in a very, in like an eminently public space. And so yeah. I think I would say like, I, I would say with many churches, the only reason why they're doing this now is because they can't have church locally. Yep. And, and so they're doing it for those people who go to church and they're kind of probably hoping that other people will tune in as well. But it's primarily for that group of people who call that call that pastor their pastor yeah i think you know for me i i think this very much is a um this <laughs> it's not that we're just trying to to show off great singing or good preaching it's that we're trying to preserve the meaningful community that and communities that already yeah. existed 
Like I definitely get the spirit of his of his point, but at the same time, I also feel yep. like now is a time that more people would actually be exposed to whatever denomination you were a part of, um, and a a potential church service or some sort of worship aspect, worshipful aspect of what your church does. Uh, they have a greater chance of doing that now because they don't actually have to attend. It's probably going to show up on their Facebook feed by virtue of you being their friend in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So it's not even like now is is almost a better time for evangelism to some extent, though I don't know that evangelism should be our, you know, direct evangelism like that shouldn't necessarily be our main focus right now. That would also be equally out of touch in my opinion. Um, the Obviously everything we do has that call in it, but I'm hoping everyone right. understands what I mean by that. Um, but yeah, I, I see this as preserving meaningful community. So I, I think I, I agree with his observation, but at the same time, I disagree with the criticism of, of live streaming as being just, you know, us trying to show off. I, and maybe I'm misreading his quote there, uh, or his tweet, but, um, that, that, that tends to be yeah. how I feel about it. And, right. um, and Garrison and I are friends. Like I, I, I don't think he would hear this and go, how dare you attack me? I don't think that's it at all. I, but I do think these are things that we should be interacting with. And I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for his contribution in this conversation because I do think that what he does add is, or is a reminder to keep a greater perspective to what we're doing and to do so with intentionality. And I think that's important because right now everyone, like a lot of churches are just kind of scrambling. Yeah. They're not really thinking about a long-term vision. No one has any idea how long this is going to last. And as I joked with my tech team here, I mean, this is like a terrible joke, so don't take it too seriously people, but you know, it's like by the time we perfect this digital church thing, uh, it's going to be time for people to return. And then we're going to be like, oh man. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> Don't worry though, because like if this happens, like pretty much every other outbreak in history uh, where there where there was lockdowns and, and quarantines and isolation, um, if this happens like those did, then what'll happen is we'll, we'll flatten the curve and then we'll say, all right, cool, bands lifted. Everyone can go out and do normal things. And then it will re-spike and everyone yeah, will be sent fall. home again. So, yeah. uh, because now everyone's around each other. Uh, I remember l- learning that the reason people get sick more often in the winter is not because they get outside and are exposed to the cold. It's actually because everyone stays inside more and is in more close contact with other people, um, mm. which is crazy to think about. But yeah, that like it's the complete opposite. So your your call to stay indoors, don't go out, is actually increasing your risk of getting sick in the winter. Um, and it seems so the idea of you now going back out into normal society and everything being normal again is probably going to re-spike it because there will be still carriers of it who haven't, you know, experienced yeah. symptoms. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Led me astray there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we kind of wind down here, what would you say is the church's actual, like what should, what should the church as a whole, the Christian you know, Christianity as a whole, what, what is our role in all of this? What should we be doing? What, what do you think we, what part do we play in all of this? Uh, again, trying to look on the positive. I, I think, I think that this is a moment, a lot of like on a, on a, on a micro person to person level where the world sees whether we practice what we've preached. Mm. Like when you get down to, to one roll of toilet paper, and you see somebody who needs it, a neighbor or something. Yeah. Like, are you going to share it with them? Like you who said, uh, you know, I'm doing great because I have Jesus. Like, are you going to are you going to preserve that hope despite everything right now? Uh, you know, are you? Are you st- I think Ty Gibson had a response. It's like a tweet about this. Ty Gibson has a tweet about everything, but <laughs> uh, facts. It's like 
That's what his mom told me he was little. Ty, you have a tweet about everything. Uh, <laughs> love, love you, Ty. Uh, but anyways, it's like, you know, like this crisis is going to reveal who you are. You're either going to be generous or you're going to be a hoarder. Uh, you're either going to you know, remain kind. He said to people. Helping versus hiding. There you go. And he said accusing versus accepting shared responsibility. Those were the three. So you were right. Sharing versus hoarding, helping yeah. versus hiding, and accusing versus accepting shared responsibility. Yeah, that's it. And it, it's kind of like this isn't this isn't the time where you become. This is the time when it's revealed who you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, it's like this is what we've been training for. As Christians, like this is what all the talk is about, all the singing is about. This is what, it, like, this is our moment. And and you can, you know, it doesn't have to be like I'm on the battlefield, you know, dying for my neighbor. It, it could just be like just a simple act of Christian kindness and charity and hope and love can make a world of like it can make such a huge impression in someone's life that will stay with them mm-hmm. forever. Like there was a story that came out of uh I just saw I think Nick Miller shared it on on Facebook that I I loved. And this this was a story about how uh, shared by allegedly by an Italian doctor. I don't know, I can't verify that. But anyways, this, this doctor tell like he's been like working himself to death over there cuz Italy's hit like super hard as you know. Um and so he's like Nine, this doctor writes that nine days ago, a 75-year-old pastor came to us. He was a kind man, had severe breathing problems, but had a Bible with him and impressed us need to read it to the dying and hold their hands. Like to hold their hands. We're all tired, discouraged, all of that sort of stuff. And he's like, now we have to admit that we've reached our limit as human beings. Like we're doing everything we can. People are still dying. We're exhausted. He's like, we have two fellow doctors who have died and others who have become infected. And we, and we realize this doctor writes, that where man, where man's help ends, we need God. And we started as doctors asking him for help when we have a few free minutes. We talk to each other and encourage one another. Mm. And we can't believe that as fierce atheists, we are now every day searching for our peace, asking the Lord to help us. Mm. It's like yesterday, the 75-year-old pastor died. This, you know, And it's like, and, and then this doctor just goes on to talk about how even though he died, he brought us peace that we never even expected to find. Mm. Like we were so past religion. Why? What did the 75-year-old pastor do? Like that dude knew he was in the danger zone. Okay, we're not recommending that to everybody. He knew he was in the danger zone. But what did he want to do? Just come and read the Bible to people who were sick and hold their hands while they were sick. You know, and it's just like that, that just changed the life of several doctors in Italy. It doesn't have to be something that drastic. You don't have to lose your life, uh, you know, in this to be a. To I was going to say hero. the 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 difference there is that that pastor knew what was happening, and he, then he wasn't walking out and going to infect a million other people. Uh, this was one specific, yeah. in, in, you know, isolated moment where someone was sure of what yeah. they were doing, and they were still limiting their yeah. the spread and their and, impact. And he may have been sick himself. The doctor isn't really clear about that. If the pastor was also sick, he may have been there like as a patient mm. and was trying to go around and encourage other people. It's not, it's not terribly clear, but the point is, is like people will remember this. Somebody, somebody said like, this is like generation Z's nine 11. Yeah. Yep. You know, like you? this is their seminal tragedy. Yep. Uh, people will remember how Christians reacted. And if we're selfish, they're going to remember that. And if we're kind and generous and open and, and, and looking past our own problems and our own fears and our own insecurities, they're going to notice mm. that. So it's weird. That's where, that's where I'm it's at. It's weird being on the tail end of uh, of millennial because I will remember forever both where I was when 9-11, when I found out about 9-11, and now I will remember forever where I found out 
where you know where the heaviest part of the coronavirus stuff impacted me, and that's when um, when my university closed their camp, announced that they were closing their campus. That was when mm-hmm. that sent. That's when it really became like this is real, and it's now affecting where I live. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's very strange to have two of those kind of seminal moments. Um, but no, I agree with you. I think the church has a has a moment here to be a voice of reason. And the biggest thing that I think the church provides for people is, believe it or not, as much as we hate the traditions and a lot of us hate the traditions and liturgy, the one thing the church provides for a lot of people outside of just community itself and the opportunity to connect is routine. The fact that every- yeah, it's stability. Yep, it's stability. And yep. that is the one thing that the church really has the potential to offer in this time is a stable and consistent presence amidst all of this. And I know that kind of flies in the face of me being bothered by daily content. Uh, it's, I only, <laughs> I'm only bothered by the people who are disingenuous about it. Not necessarily the people, not necessarily everyone who's doing it. Um, but I, you know, whatever we can do to just kind of not, it's not like we're ignoring the real crisis that's at hand. It's more, how can we just keep being, how can we preserve our humanity through this? Um, yeah. and, and that's incredibly important. So I agree with you. And, and that's what I would add. Um, so as we, as we kind of close out, do you have any final thoughts, um, anything that you would want to, uh, encourage people with, or even individuals with, with all this? Yeah. Um, you know, just something I saw on NPR earlier today, they did an interview with a pastor, with an Adventist pastor in Idaho. doesn't matter that he's an Adventist pastor, but, uh, it does play a role and they're basically just kind of NPR is doing some interviews, I guess, uh, like a segment called outbreak voices. Mm. They're doing an interview with like some clergy and, and, and Christians, you know, and, and how they're kind of reacting to this. And anyways, this, this pastor is named Lynn Bryson does this interview and is, and there's just this one point like works in an Ellen White quote surreptitiously, which of course, definitely an Adventist thing to do. Uh, (laughs) But then writes this or says this, I still have times of anxiety. You know, we're all humans. We all worry at things. And then I'm reminded, Lynn, You've been through this. Calm down, relax, trust the Lord. It's not going to be this way forever. And what I love about that is it's like, I I know the apocalyptic stuff, the Daniel Revelation stuff gets a bad rap for it's like scary imagery and it's used to beat people over the head. But like there's a, this is the the great part about it is it enables you to look deep into the future Mm -hmm. and realize, yeah, it's not going to be this way forever. Like, just as like the church as an institution with its traditions helps us to look into the past and be like, we've gotten through the Holocaust and we've gotten through the middle ages and we've gotten through the Roman empire and we've survived, you know, everything the world has sent at us for 2000 years. Mm -hmm. So we look to the apocalyptic portions and we're like, and we're going to continue to survive because of Jesus. So we are concerned. We want to take this seriously, but we also realize it's not going to be like this forever. We can look past this thing. Yeah. And I think we, churches can provide that we need to be intentional about providing that perspective like we a you look at the past we've been through stuff like this before you know b you look at the future and say yeah we're going to go through stuff in the future too but in the end it it ends in glory it ends in light and it's not going to be this way forever yep absolutely so um the I think that's a great note to end on. Um, and I just want to add that in the air of us being consistent and stable, um, absurdity will take, be taking a break for the next two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what? <laughs> um, no, Matt and I will be back next week with a, uh, with a new episode for you. So we will not leave you hanging. Uh, but Matt, thank you for stepping in and, and for, um, for playing co-host for the next month or so. 
Um, I appreciate you. My pleasure. Uh, Just one more thing for you to do digitally in all of this. Um, and I know. Um, no, but I appreciate you stepping in, man. Um, it's it's awesome to be co-hosting with you and to be working with you. So uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.